It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Henderson, the entire minor league team. How's everybody doing this week? Pretty good. All right. I'm good. How are you guys? Doing good, doing good. So uh, we'll start off with Promote Extend Trade this week. We didn't do it last week, so let's get back to a little normalcy here. And... Uh, last week I went to a wrestling show. It was pretty fun, but one oh, of the matches, on. <laughs> one of the matches I thought would be like crazy was a pretty big dud. Um, there was a big dude named Schlack. He looks the part of like, that? how do you spell that? S-H-L-A-K. It might be a C, but he looks, he looks like what you would think of like a hardcore wrestler. He's all broided up. He's got scars. He's got like a mohawk, that kind of thing. But he's really, actually really bad wrestler. And it turns out he's a neo-Nazi, so fuck him. <laughs> and then the other guy, Necro Butcher. Necro wait, Butcher. wait, can I, can I, can I ask, can I get a clarification here? Sure. Is, is he an actual neo-Nazi or is his character a neo-Nazi? Uh, no, he's from like the, the Atlantic City area and he's been like with neo-Nazi like oh, okay. white so supremacist kind of gangs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, 
that so that kind of put a damper on that. And then the other guy he wrestled, Necro Butcher. He's a legend from like a decade or so, but I'm he's sorry. just Necro Butcher. Necro Butcher, come on, man. <laughs> but basically, Necro Butcher looked like a walking corpse because of like hepatitis. <laughs> it was just one of those kinds of things, you know. What the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, so the point of the match, I guess, was Necro Butcher passing the torch, so to speak. So anyway, in in honor of him, who are we going to promote, extend or trade of these other famous butchers? <laughs> First up is Bill. We have Bill the Butcher Pool, who is the leader of the Bowery Boys, as famously depicted in Gangs in New York. Next up is the Butcher, the demon that slaughtered the townsfolk of Tristram in Diablo. And then we have Butcher Pete. Who was a guy from the 1950s who was always hacking and whacking and smacking that meat. Chopping that meat. <laughs> uh, this is easy for me. Uh, I'm 100% extending Butcher Pete. Oh, absolutely. That's <laughs> like, a slam dunk. no question. That one is a slam dunk. I assume we don't have the rights to that song, so it's not like we could dump it in here for all the people who haven't played Fallout. No, probably not. Damn it. I don't, I don't think our, uh, Podcast power goes that far. Uh, and I'll extend the butcher from Diablo because I like Diablo and trade the other one because I don't care. Yeah, I think that's about right. I think I'm with you this one. <clears throat> I'm going to agree. I'm just trading everybody because fuck. I mean, <laughs> How could you trade Butcher Pete? <laughs> well, he's gonna uh, hacking and whacking and smacking on my woman's <laughs> meat, and I don't want that to be happening. <laughs> Get him out of here. Uh, the Butcher is a demon that kills everybody. Again, I don't want that either. And Bill Poole was a horrible, like, xenophobe and, and kind of a, an asshole. So I'm going to trade him away, too. It seems like we've stumbled upon something about pop figures with uh, Butcher names here. Like, generally yeah. not a good thing. No. <laughs> All right. Well, that was different. You should have done necromancers. Like, who are we going to promote, extend trade of these three necromancers? I was thinking about that because, you know, the necro whole thing. But then I said, well, Butcher, wait a minute, Butcher Pete. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's not often that you can talk about Butcher Pete. So when you can, you got to take that opportunity. Um. All right, so on a more serious note now, I guess, on the site itself, we started our 2020 top 25 prospects countdown uh we started last week we got through 25 to 20 and there's more to come this week but uh we are just going to review now the five guys that were revealed so far um the countdown is at number 25 alexander ramirez at number 24 is jake mangum at 23 is ali sanchez <clears throat> at 22 is stanley consuegra at 21 is Daniel Nunez, and at 20 is Adrian Hernandez. So we'll start off uh, with Ramirez, I guess, who is 25. Um, he was signed this year. He was signed in June. Uh, he was one of the top players available in the international rookie class, and the Mets signed into a big contract, uh, $2.05 million. He has not played professionally yet, but 
Um, he's extremely athletic, 6'3", 170 pounds, so he's already very uh, built, and there's, you know, uh, it's a frame that suggests that there's going to be some future physical growth. And um, he hits for, you know, decent power right now. It's kind of line drive power with the occasional, you know, pull homer, but obviously if he grows and he gets stronger, he'll grow into more power. He has a pretty good eye at the plate and a pretty good understanding of the strike zone for, you know, a kid that's as young as he is. That's always a plus for, you know, younger younger guys. And he is an outfielder. Um, he plays center right now. As I said, he's, he is very athletic, so hopefully for years and years to come, he'll be able to stay at center. He's very speedy, so that helps him in, in defensively. And, you know, with just more reps out there, he'll get better, you know, reads of the ball. He'll learn better routes. And some evaluators think that he could be an average or even above average defender and center. So combine that with the kind of bat that might develop. And he might be a special player. So what do you guys think of Ramirez? Um, we kind of know nothing about him right, <laughs> right now. <laughs> Um, you know, he could be a special player. He could falter before he gets out of rookie ball. Those are both possible outcomes. <laughs> Hopefully not. Check back next year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If any, this is just like, I think Ken wrote this in his blurb that this is basically an honorific and that the system isn't great. It's tough to find 25 names that are both meaningful and we know something about. Ramirez is certainly meaningful because he's a big bonus guy and he's got legs that go forever and a nice looking swing and apparently a polished approach for a kid his age, but we know nothing. So, Yeah, basically that. Um, like whenever someone signs for this much, it's always a eye-opening thing because not everyone gets this much money for a reason. Like there's a reason why he was rated this highly by the Mets and by other people, but... You never really know. Like, yeah, this could, be, this could be a guy who's within, who's on our list next year, and way higher than this. And we're like, look how good he was when he finally made his debut. Or we could be like, yeah, remember that? Like, he's around still, so you never know. It could basically be anything from like uh, Juan Soto to uh, Kenny Hernandez. That's precisely oh, yep. what I was going to say. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> who's the Who's the other? Uh, the one, the the big guy, the brave sign, then they lost him, but he was a big deal. Oh, Maiton? Maiton, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the thing here is that um, a lot of times the reasons guys get big, and, and Jared Seidler has talked a lot about this on Twitter, but um, the reason a lot of these guys get big bonuses are not particularly good reasons in all cases. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fair. You know? That's fair. Um, projection is very much in play here and is very much in the eye of the beholder. Um. It's almost as if signing signing a 16-year-old and predicting their baseball future is challenging, and it's even more challenging when you're actually doing it when they're 13 or 14. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, if there's any one uh, harbinger of maybe things to come is that the Mets have had a pretty good success rate in the last couple of years with their you know top international guys. I mean, Ronda Murcio, he's, he's developed pretty well so far. Francisco Alvarez, 
same thing. He was one of their top guys, and he's developed well. So hopefully, <clears throat> you know, the, the trend continues and Ramirez is, you know, uh, uh, develops well as well. Yeah, I mean, what, 20% of the... We have five five big international signings, or six big international signings make up the rest of this, like Jimenez, Mauricio, Consegra, Hernandez, and Alvarez. And Valdez. Valdez. Yeah. yeah, so, like, it's, it's both a sign of that the system is meh, and but also that the Mets have done a pretty decent job, so. And I guess we, we got to credit uh, Omar to that. <sighs> I, it, like, <laughs> I, I refuse my to soul. do it. No, I refuse. <laughs> Yeah, and kind of went, went, went back when he was GM, and people are always like, well, yeah, Omar was not very good, you know, with the draft, but he's always finding these, you know, pretty decent international guys. I was always kind of eh on that, because while he may have done that, that is literally his job. So, like, you really can't give him special points for doing the basics, you know? Yeah. And he drafted Eddie Coons in the first round. Yes, he did. Uh. <laughs> well, all right. Well, a guy that uh, certainly was not in any consideration to be a first-round draft pick was the Mets' 24th prospect this year, Jake Mangum. Uh, they selected him this year in the fourth round, and he is a storied baseball player um, at MSU, Mississippi State University. He has the all-time hit record for the uh, SEC. He was drafted in his junior year, last year, by the Mets, but he did not sign with them. And this year, uh, he, he finally broke that record. And again, the Mets drafted him, and he had, you know, no leverage. So he signed with the Mets, only $20,000, um, well below the, the slot value of 487000 And he was assigned to Brooklyn. Didn't hit that well. Uh, 247, 337, 297 in 53 games. Um, but he was a, a pretty integral part of that championship team uh, because, you know, even though the bat is not that great, he is a pretty good defender. Uh, he's a center fielder. He's got plenty of range because he's really speedy and, you know, he does take good routes and stuff. And he has a, a, not a cannon of an arm, but he has a pretty good arm as well. So, you know, even though the bat didn't really play up that well, he did have pretty good defense out in Coney Island. Um, he's a switch hitter and he has a, a kind of Louis Guillaume kind of slash the ball around, uh, you know, contact oriented approach. And that obviously, you know, limits the amount of power that he can have in-game. Um, but but it does let him use his speed, which is something Guillaume doesn't have. And, you know, he, he puts pressure on the defenders to get him out as a result. So it's definitely not the best strategy. But, I mean, you know, in, in certain situations, you can make it work. Um, but... Yeah, Mangum's thing is, you know, not really the offense, but he's a pretty solid defender, pretty solid center fielder, which translates, you know, any anywhere at any level. And then, obviously, he's a, a big intangibles guy. 
So what do you guys think of uh, Mangum? My favorite, I'll just get this in there real quick. My favorite thing is the, his, uh, the shot he took at the NCAA on his way out the door, which was yeah. uh, enjoyable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that gave me a very strong leader of men vibes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, basically, you know, in his final press conference, he was was lobbying for the NCAA to, you know, have more coaches and pay them. And anytime, you know, you have a worker who is lobbying for other workers to, you know, get paid more, by management types, that's always I always approve of that. Um, that aside, I don't think he's an, anything to write home about. I might be totally wrong. But I don't I don't know if he has like much worse of a chance at earning service time than like Carlos Cortez or anything. I think his floor is kind of like going to get him there with his fielding and his athleticism. Like, he'll be in AAA at some point, and even if he's not hitting, a team will call him up because they need a guy to be a backup center fielder for 15 days or whatever. Yeah, Kevin Kazmarski. Like, Kex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dudes like that. Like, he, his ceiling is totally dependent on if his bat ever comes around and if he ever figure, figures that side out of the game. of the game. But other than that, like, it's possible if he ever figures that out that there's something there. But I, I think saying that he needs to figure it out with a bat really undersells what he needs uh, to yeah. do. He oh, needs to like overhaul it. But yeah, overhaul his approach, overhaul his mechanics, like completely. Oh, I'm not saying it's like a two minute quick fix thing. Like he has to change the way he hits. But if he does, then he might be an actual prospect. And if not, he might be one of those quad A type guys. I don't even see the quad A type guy there. Just the the bat is so bad to me that I I'm I'm I think at the risk of starting another Twitter beef, you know, like I don't see him getting past double A. Yeah, he he is definitely the type where double A is going to be the test. Yeah, I mean, but also he is he's going to be a bat fuel guy for his entire career. So if he just happens to Maybe not necessarily luck is the best word, but if he happens to luck into, you know, a season or two with high backups, then, you know, people are going to be higher on him than, mm-hmm. you know, if, if he kind of has pedestrian or, or, you know, bad ones because he's all batting average. Uh, yeah. he, here's the other big issue for Mango, right? We were talking up his defense and his speed, which are both legit. He's 23 already because he's a fifth year, he was a fifth year senior. Uh, right? Like he had five years at MSU, I'm pretty sure. Or five years in college. Whatever. Those skills are already on the decline. Right? It's not, it's not like this is a, uh, an 18 year old or a 20 year old who needs major swing overhauls. This is a guy who, who has, whose only skills right now are his athleticism. Um, but those skills are going to be start going downhill relatively quickly unless he's he's one of those special players who holds it into his 30s, right? So right right now he's 23 and almost 24. He's got like a solid two three years before entering his prime. I don't uh, athletically. I don't know that that's true. Like, is it 25 I mean, typically? In terms of speed and defense, no. That's 
my, that piece yeah, okay. younger. Go a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So my my point is that his skill set is probably peaking now or the next year or two, and he has a lot of work. Uh, by the time he's done the work in the other parts of his game, I'm not sure that the parts that are actually useful will will uh, still be special. There's a clock on it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I wouldn't say he is a, a divisive player or prospect or whatever you want to call him per se, but yeah, there's definitely he definitely gets a lot more um, attention, I guess, if that's the right word, than other players that are probably a lot better than he is. <laughs> and yeah. that's another thing, also, is is that uh, he's he's kind of how would I how would I what would the proper word for this he's He's sort of Thibaultian in that he has a following <laughs> that is not really at all, you know, correlated to his he's, actual. He's going to get chances based on yeah. who he is and, and what he did prior to, you know, being dra- I mean, like, three, he was drafted three separate times. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's, he's, he's like, he's like a balls him. player. Ball, uh, he's a balls. Uh, fuck. <laughs> Ball players, ball player. There we go. I mean, I could totally see him being a coach in like four or five years. Oh yeah, no, oh yeah, he's definitely like sure. an agent. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that too. Uh, I w- I would never bet against him though. I I'm I'm I don't want to say I'm positive he's going to get service time when all is said is done because obviously there's a lot of red flags. I I also don't believe in the offensive game all that much. I just don't think anyone's going to be able to tell this guy no. <laughs> you know? That's a good way of putting it. That is a very good way of putting it. All right. Um, let's take a quick break here. And when we get back, we'll go over the rest of our uh, countdown that we've released so far. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Henderson. And we are going over our top 25 prospect list that's been released thus far. We just spoke about Alexander Ramirez and Jake Mangum. So now we'll touch on number 23, <clears throat> Ali Sanchez. He was a IFA out of Venezuela from uh, 2013, so quite a few years ago. Didn't get the biggest bonus, but he got a, you know, it was pretty, it was a decent one, $690,000. Um, he's a catcher, so he's moved slowly. 
And in addition to being a catcher, he's kind of had a, a few injuries um, that have kind of muddied things. But um, last year, uh, 2018, he was with Columbia and St. Lucie. And I think that it was his most effective season, you know, to date. Well, not to date, but up until then. Uh, he hit 259, 293, 389 with the Fireflies, and then 274, 296, 385 with St. Lucie. And then this season, he played with Binghamton uh, for majority of the season, and he hit 278, 337, 337. And then he was promoted to Syracuse for about two weeks or so. And then he was in the Arizona Fall League. Um, after the season ended. So Sanchez is kind of similar to Jake Mangum in that the bat is kind of questionable, but it's kind of the the defense that has gotten him ranked here. Um, his he, he really shows no power. Um, it's not a question of it is it even there because I have seen him kind of, you know, hit some stingers, you know, for, for outs and for, like, doubles off the wall, deep into the outfield, things like that. But it's kind of just, again, like, like Mangum, it's his approach. Um, he, he does use the entire field, Sanchez, but he he goes to the opposite field a lot, almost as much as he pulls the ball. So that's obviously going to limit the amount of power. Um, he's not, like, a... a strong dude that can muscle the ball of the opposite field for power. So, you know, if he's able to change the approach and just kind of pull it more, you might see some more power from him. But, you know, that just has never really been part of his game. So I don't know if that's something that can be done. But the glove, you know, a a good defender behind the dish is going to get far. And the arm is like average. But everything else, he's good at, you know, when it comes to catching. He he moves well behind the plate. He gets rid of the ball quick. He pops up quick. The arm's accurate. He could frame pretty well. So, you know, he all those other things kind of augment just the kind of average arm. And, you know, maybe the bat comes around. Who knows? But just based on the power of that defense, he's a guy that, again... We'll probably see some major league service time in some capacity. I mean, he's the Mets' number three catcher right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, per the depth chart. Like, as we stand here today, he's probably going to be in the majors in 2020 unless they sign someone else. Because... Yeah, he, he's literally like a Tomas Nito broken finger away exactly. from Exactly. Exactly. So, like, like you said. Defense with catchers gets you real far, and he'll, he's probably going to be a guy who's around for a while because of that, just because catchers are what they are. But who knows with the bat? I don't really see it, but I've never really seen it with him. Like, I liked him when he was younger, but then as he's just gotten older and the bat has not ever really caught up to it, it's for me, he's just a guy who's going to be like a shuttle catcher type. Yep. I mean, I think... I think for most teams, the backup catcher spot is like one of the least, if not the least consequential spot on the roster. 
but the Mets have a primary catcher who is injury prone and also can't really catch. Yeah. Uh, making it frustrating that, that their number two and three options are, are this week. Like if you had a more, more stable number one catcher and Ollie Sanchez was your backup, he'd be like, all right, fine. I don't, I don't really care. It's a backup catcher. He plays good defense. It's fine. Um, uh, but when Wilson Ramos is your primary catcher, the, the idea of a Thomas Nito, Ali Sanchez catching duo is, um, not the best. Yeah. Like that could sink like two weeks of your season. Like unironically could, yep. <laughs> could be like, especially with how tight the NL looks like it might be again around the wild card spots, which the Mets seem to be like fighting for here. Mm hmm. That could really mean a lot when, if we're looking back on the 2020 season, it's like those two weeks where we had zero offensive output from the catchers might might be end up becoming a problem. I mean, what's like a realistic WRC you'd expect from Ali Sanchez in 2020? Well, he put up a 40 WRC plus in AAA last year. Yeah, yeah. Small sample and everything, but yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> um. Nito had a 40 last year. Yeah, and I I don't I think oh. Ali Sanchez is basically like Tomas Nito, but not as good a defender and also probably not as good a hitter. Yeah, so are we saying that he will be worse than a 40 yes. WRC plus in the majors? Well, that's I'm not saying that that will happen. I'm saying that that's very much in play. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's maybe why it's not a great idea to have him on the periphery of your active roster at any given time. Yeah, if if Ali Sanchez is like your third or – you have a better one-two and Ali Sanchez is your third catcher, fine. But again, you're, you're second. Just not a viable option when you're second catchers. Your first two catchers are so weak. Yeah, like if they signed Yasmin and Grandal like they should have, then I wouldn't – I would. Yeah, like, that'd be fine, totally fine. Yeah, I'd be like, all right, cool. Like uh, <laughs> Grandal's going to play 140 games anyway. I don't care. You know or, what I mean? Like. Or if they went out and, and uh, like, Jason Castro got $6 million. It's not that yep. much. He, yep. They could have given Jason Castro a two-year deal. And then it'd be like, all right, Ali Sanchez is your third-slash-fourth catcher. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. We got two real major league options. Yeah. At Mets, why are you the way you are? <laughs> we all know why, Ken. We all yes. Know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. All right. Next up. At number 23 is, excuse me, 22, is Stanley Consuegra. He was signed at the Dominican Republic in 2017. A pretty solid bonus, $500,000. He, uh, you know, he played in the DSL that year. He got promoted to the GCL Mets after a few weeks and ended the uh, season with them. Didn't exactly dominate, but he held his own. He had a 84 WRC+. Plus. And then he entered the season with a knee injury, and he had surgery on it, and that ended the season, so he didn't even play in a single game. But um, as is going to be a running theme here with a lot of these younger international free agents, there's a lot of projection, um, a lot of athleticism, and that, that describes Consuegra. Um Line drive power, again, but with, with some of that development that probably will come, it should add to his in-game power. And um, 
defensively, he was a shortstop and he transitioned to the outfield. Um, he's, you know, a solid center fielder right now. Um, he has, you know, good arm. He has solid range. It's, you know, ranges from average to above average. Some people even call it plus. He gets basically the, the thing that he needs to work on is his reactions off the bat and his roots because he's young and new to the position. Um, but if, you know, he, he should get plenty of opportunity to work on that. But if he is not really able to improve in his center field defense, again, he had a really strong arm. So he would fit in right field where, you know, the, uh, maybe not seeing the ball well and not, you know, um, finding it, you know, can be minimized to a degree. But again, it's, it, Consuegra is lots of projection. But it's, you know, he looks good. Did we ever get, did they ever uh, give more detail on what the knee injury actually was? No, but yeah. as far as I know, it's not a, a chronic thing or a, a catastrophic thing or anything like that. So we don't have to worry. The, the one concern is that, like, no matter how minor things are, uh, the more times you hurt something, the more times you open it up, the, the, the higher the risk that you lose athleticism, you lose a little cartilage, you get a little stiffness, whatever. Um, Consegra is young enough that that shouldn't be a problem, but that's just something to monitor going forward if this, if this happens again. Um, He's another guy we, we really know nothing about. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a lot of hype around him, uh, at the start of last. Yeah. Last. The Mets were, were very high on him. Um, I mean, that's just kind of a function of rookie ball. The the those leagues lasting what sixty games, eighty games? How long is their season? I don't actually know off the top of my head. Not very long, right? So you get one significant injury, you just don't play for a year. Yep. Yeah, that's basically him in a nutshell. Yeah. Just just, just go copy paste last year's blurb and add a sentence about the risk of cumulative injury. <laughs> All right, next up is our number 21 prospect, Daniel Nunez. He was signed back in 2016 out of uh, Puerto Plata, Dominican Republic. And he was uh, a bit old for signing. Most guys that are, are – he wasn't a high-profile signing, so that's why he was, uh, you know, older. Most guys, they sign, you know, most famously the, the big-name guys could sign at like 16, 17 – um, Nunez is 20. So he made his professional debut in 2017 with the GCL Mets. You know, numbers were not that great. He was promoted to Kingsport in 2018. Okay numbers. Um, you know, 379 ERA in 40 innings. He left 38 hits, walked 16, struck out 36. He was a bit old, so, you know, nothing too special. And he was skipped over Brooklyn this year, and he played for Columbia. We started out the season with Columbia, um, and then was promoted to St. Lucie <clears throat> after just a couple of starts. And um, he then had his season end early because uh, of injury. But overall, the numbers were not too impressive. Uh, the strikeouts ticked up a bit, but you know, uh, an ERA in fours, whatever, and the kind of, uh, the, the reason why he's on the list at this 
spot is basically he's a, a starter, so that always you know gives a, a pitcher a little bit of an edge. And the stuff is solid. Um, fastball sits in the low 90s or so. It tops at 94. It has a little bit of arm side life, and it has a high spin rate, so that's why. And then he complements it with a curveball, a low 80s pitch, and then a changeup. And the changeup is in development, so the curve is his go-to uh, strikeout pitch. And, you know, personally, I don't really see it too much. What the? Not that there's too much hype or fuss about Nunez, but coming into the season, he was on nobody's radar whatsoever. Um, and, you know, honestly, nothing he really did stands out that much to me. I think that it's just a case of, A, he's a, an okay starter. He is not, like, all the way at the bottom of the system because, you know, the system is very thin right now. So all those things kind of give him points. And it's okay stuff. But basically, he's just a, a so-so fastball, okay curveball dude. And, yeah, that's going to get guys out, you know, in, in low A and high A. But I don't know. I don't I don't really see much in Munez's future here. Yeah, like, he strikes some people out, but we'll see. Maybe he becomes a reliever and things change, but... Yeah, I definitely think that he's, his future is going to be in the bullpen. Especially, even if he's able to develop the changeup a bit. I just think that the combination, he's an older guy, not not excessively older, but yeah, he's yeah. an older guy. It's just really two pitches, neither one of them are crazy good, so you might as well just, you know, he can start, and, you know, you should let guys start until they can't anymore, but I don't know. Sometimes it's just better to just quicken up a guy's development and just and, and just let it go. I could see that happening sooner rather than later, though. Like, he'll be at double-A this year, I'm assuming. Yeah. So, like, if it doesn't work out on the starter front there, they could put him to the pen pretty quickly. And at, what is he, 23 now? So, like, he could kind of move a little faster once that happens, if he's still striking people out and he's being able to do what he, like, that's really the big thing for me. Like, the strikeouts are a little interesting. It's more interesting than everything else because he's doing it, but we have to see. I also wonder if, like, I know we say it's two pitches, but it's not like it's a... Uh, I feel like for the guy, the guys that really play up in the bullpen are the guys who have two good pitches and nothing else. I feel like he has two usable pitches and nothing else. I'm not super excited for him as a reliever either. I mean, the fact that he's ranked is just a sign of how bad the pitching depth in this system is right now. Yeah. And I don't want to say because I just don't know off the top of my head who or what you know what what the source was or anything like that. But I feel like he's just a guy that kind of was someone's dude, and he just wound up on a list. And everybody else not having really seen him because he spent most of the year in um, Florida State League, where you know there's very little coverage, just kind of went along with it. And you know we're all we're all sheep basically. Yeah, could be. I could see that. Because really, uh, you know, if, I don't know, it just, the stuff is underwhelming, the numbers are underwhelming, the total package is just kind of, uh, 
And yes, you know, that kind of profile will get further in a system like the Mets is currently, but you know, there, there are other, um, you know, wild card lottery kind of picks that have high upside, but are raw, like the Ramirez's and the Consuegra's and the Hernandez's that we'll, we'll talk about in, in a second here. But, you know, I don't know how I, I would rather dream on them and have them ranked than a guy like Nunez. But that's just me. I mean, like I said, we're all sheep and I did include Nunez in my own list. So whatever. All right, so the final guy now that we'll talk about today, <clears throat> excuse me, is Adrian Hernandez, who is our number 20 prospect. Um, he was signed in 2017, also like Consuegra. Uh, he got a don't know, I, uh, $1.5 million signing bonus. I don't think it was the largest one that the Mets gave that year, but it was one of the, um, I think Mauricio was signed that year, 2017, and got the higher bonus, obviously, but... Hernandez made his debut 2018 uh, with the DSL. Solid numbers there. Um, they was sent him stateside to the GCL for this season. He only appeared in four games before he hurt his leg and then missed the rest of the season. He did really well in those four games. He hit two doubles and a homer, and he stole two out of three bases. So, <laughs> you know, in the, in the limited opportunities that he had on the field, he took whole advantage. Um. He's only 5'9", 210, so he is kind of on the shorter side, but he is built, um, and, and the profile centers around that strength. Um, he has explosive bat speed, and then when you combine that with like his actual physical strength, there's plus raw power there. And, uh, you know, and then he has some loft in the swing too. But obviously raw power is one thing, and in-game power is another. And his ability to hit, you know, his hit tool is, you know, okay for the age, but, you know, um, it's hampering his ability to tap into that power. Um, there's a lot of uppercut. He moves out of the zone quick with the bat. He's, you know, still has a, a vulnerability to spin, but he is very young. So these are things that you normally see in, in younger players. And once, you know, the pitch recognition comes and the barrel control develops a little bit more and just the overall uh, ability to hit, you know, uh, for average improves, the power should develop a bit more. And, you know, he could he could be a kind of interesting uh, bat. In the outfield, defensively, he's a, an above average runner, um, not like quick twitch fast dude but once the afterburners come on you know he could make up ground pretty quick so um you know that's good for center field uh he still needs to learn the ball you know re read the ball off the bat and and learn more efficient routes same thing like all young players out there the arm is kind of average-ish um so if he kind of grows and the speed you know uh takes a step back and he has to come off the center, he'll probably have to go into left, which is, you know, not optimal. But if the bat develops like we're hoping it does, it doesn't really matter because he he projects to be a, a big power, big time power kind of guy. So hopefully all of that happens. But, you know, who knows because he's just so young. I mean, I was after after four games, which was... Uh, 
incredibly irresponsible. I was definitely getting ready to write that top 10 blurb for Adrian Hernandez along with Alvarez, and then he gets hurt, and everything sucks. <laughs> no, I know what you mean, though. Like, you, it's a very small sample, but you mm-hmm. kind of see where all this stuff is coming from when you have a small sample like that. And right. that's just the type of stuff that's exciting, and it's not really in the system. This is this is definitely apocryphal because I didn't check and I'm not under hundred percent sure, but I feel like I had back to back farm report days last season, right? I think, and I think I had two of those the like the first two big games. And I'm like, all right, I'm in on this, and then it's just like, <laughs> and like I said, totally apocryphal. Watch, like I never recapped any games Adrian Hernandez played in or something. Um, but uh. Yeah, it was going to be fun to like talk about him and Alvarez, and then so it goes. We yeah, didn't, we so didn't get any clarification on what his injury was either. Yeah, did we? I, I was nope. going to ask. Um, supposedly something thing. with uh, the hamstring. Mm. Oh, um, I, I don't know this for sure, but if I had to guess based on how his season went, I, I would guess like a a torn hamstring or something like that. Did he have surgery too, or no? Uh, I again, I, I didn't hear anything to that effect, but I assume since he, you know, was never seen again after it, eh, that hamstrings can be tricky. Yeah, hamstring injuries you do not like to see. No, I mean, look at what happened with uh, Desmond Lindsay. Yeah, over and over again. With didn't wasn't that Reese Havens thing too? Wasn't he like a constant hamstring? Really going back now for for a dude. I feel like Reese Havens was everything. That that's also true. He, I mean, he to had be a, fair, a kinetic so chain. <laughs> I mean, the hamstring could just like either lead to or be a symptom of so many other things that are imbalanced. So also has a very high chance of recurrence once yep. one happens. Yeah, yep. that's that's the worst part about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Hernandez arguably is one of the most exciting outfielders in the system. So hopefully that's not a uh, – hopefully Desmond Lindsay is not a cautionary tale for him. Dude, I definitely want a five foot nine spark plug in center field. That would be cool yeah. as hell. <laughs> to, to me, Hernandez is one of those dudes who you could see flying up our list for mm-hmm. next year. Like, he has, I think he, out of all the people that we've talked about today, I think he has the most potential to do that, where, like, next year we're talking about him in a much higher light than we are right now. Like, we're not talking about him on the first podcast, we're talking about him on a much later one, because, like, he balled out this year, and I could totally see that happening. Just because, like, when you're young and you have that type of, like, just strength, like, you're going to kill the ball at, Mm -hmm. at, at the lower levels. So it just, I could see, I could really see him being a guy who flies up. Like and he's a name that people are talking about a lot more than they are right now. Where do you think the Mets are going to stick both Hernandez and Consegra, um, given that they didn't play this year? Do you think they go aggressive, or are they going to just be a little more conservative because, like, well, you didn't get on the field at all last year? Probably uh-huh. depends, I guess, on how they do an extended spring training. And That's fair. If, if I had to good, guess... You know. I would probably say Hernandez to Kingsport, Consuegra to Brooklyn. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. like 
the the complex to to Kingsport isn't a terribly big jump. No. Mm. No, yeah. And um, it's probably like I think Consuegra was supposed to start the year in Kingsport, but then you know obviously that didn't end up happening. No, um, no. So I, I would imagine that if he looks reasonably good in, in instructs, that they'd probably push him up a level. I mean, the comment about it really depending on instructs is probably yeah, instructive and yeah. I mean, really, if they as long as they're able to get on the field for it's a victory, most yeah, step, of it, step one, yeah. yeah, for sure. That's the main main thing that you want to see. Anything else on after that is icing on the cake. All right. Uh, do you guys have any last words for the week? Uh, well, just one, one aside because I was talking about this with who was I talking about this with? I don't even remember. Uh, no one, no one should like fret if the Mets trade any of these guys. Like we're talking glowingly about their potential, but let's uh, not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, these guys are low enough in the totem pole that any results that you – any tangible results will be years and years and years from now, if any. Yep. And it'll suck from a fan point of view of you know following these players and rooting for them and, and seeing them develop in front of your eyes and whatever. But, yeah, I mean the – the, the, the flip side of that is – it's fine if they trade them as long as they're not trading them for Wilmer Font. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say is that um, ideally you'd like to trade them for something, like, good. <laughs> Useful. Not otherwise available. Yeah. Any player is a kind of expendable, and as long as you're getting a comparable or a market return or whatever you want to call it, then it's like, all right, it's at least I could see why the move was made, but... When you're getting deals that are just senseless, then that's when you start to question things. All right. Uh, if anyone has any comments, questions, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elslahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SadMetSeasonSZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review, and of course, thank you everybody for listening. And we'll be back next week with some more 2020 top prospects. And until then, love the Mets, love the Mets. <laughs>